Today we find ourselves with Paul and his fellow apostles uh, who have left modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, and are now moving to Macedonia uh, and the city of Philippi, where they are trying to form a church and are encountering resistance. Uh, So here now, a somewhat lengthy story, but give it your best listening as you can, because it will set the stage for what is to come. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the God Most High, who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. So following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all of the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailers woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he had supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights, and rushing in, he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And at the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. And then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may my words give witness and bear truthful testimony to 
the joy we share in faith, in the midst of the hardship that we also share in faith. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So truly, welcome to all of you to this Picnic Sunday, which is the closest thing we get to Westminster to Casual Friday. (laughs) Grateful to the gentlemen still wearing suit and tie and to our choir still robed for maintaining some sense of decorum today. But this is a day where we can dress down so that we may lighten up. A day to share hymns and hot dogs To have our faces painted while others of us stuff our faces with deviled eggs. Oh, we love our deviled eggs at Westminster. In preparation for this sermon today, I just thought that the the sermon needed to be light and keep things loose and short. We'll make it two of the three. And I was thinking about reprising an old sermon that I preached here before. It would be perfect for a picnic. It was titled, Cheeseburgers in Paradise. It was buffeted by good vibes. (laughs) (laughs) The sermon told the story... Uh, on the snowy day that my grandmother found herself locked out of her car in the parking lot at Walmart. This was the age prior to cell phones and calling people that you need help to come right away, so she was a little bit stuck. She walked back inside the Walmart and she went to some customer service representatives who apparently were not so into the idea of customer service So she found herself with no way home, no one to help, no idea what to do. So what did she do? She ordered a cheeseburger. And as she ate that cheeseburger, she prayed. And my grandma, when she prayed, it wasn't this intellectual obligation type of prayer. She leaned in. She drew on a history of trusting God and seeing that trust bear fruit. So she ate her cheeseburger and she prayed and someone from her retirement community just shows up. And it's someone, my grandmother loved everybody, but this was somebody she didn't really like. (laughs) But there she was and she offered my grandmother a ride home to get her keys and she brought her back. And so... My grandma found herself home. She found her heart expanded. She found perhaps that her Savior's smile beamed a little brighter. I thought that would be just the right kind of story for a picnic Sunday sermon. A day for picking up good vibrations, for letting the time go lightly and smelling the smells of paradise. And yet... And yet, as we worship and feast, some of our members today lie in hospital beds. One mother clinging to her life, the other 
seeking to bring her children safely into this life. As you and I and as we sit with those with whom we love in Virginia Beach, 12 families woke up today without a loved one, leading our commonwealth into a state of shared poverty. As our eyes water over the offerings of the buffet line, farmers in the Midwest look tearfully upon their flooded fields, while homeowners in multiple states pick through the wreckage of their twistered homes. As we gather and worship today in complete freedom and security, others can't. Because of rising tides of anti-Semitism, Jews in Germany just this week were warned to not look Jewish in public. German Chancellor Angela Merkel said, There is to this day not a single synagogue, not a single daycare center or school for Jewish children that does not need to be guarded by German policemen. Any of us who think that that's a over-there problem need only look at the policemen guarding Agudas Akim every week as they worship. Stationed there because our neighbors and friends in Alexandria, Virginia, fear that the violence inflicted in too many places can also be inflicted here. A fear that is shared by Muslims in New Zealand, in by Christians in Sri Lanka and among African Americans in Louisiana where churches have already been arsoned and burned. Mother, brother, father, what's going on? And in the midst of all of this woundedness, how do we have a picnic? How do we rejoice in cheeseburgers when when life is serving up so much hardship to so many. That's what I want to talk about in today's sermon. More than lettuce and tomatoes. I hope you noted how I framed the question. It's not how can we have a picnic, but how do we? That is, in what manner? Perhaps the ultimate point to be made in all of this is that in light of such loss and hardship that is out there and also with us in here, we do not cancel the picnics. Jesus, after all, in the face of his people's despair, began his ministry at a wedding. He did not demand an annulment. And the cosmos didn't cancel the glorious morning sunrise in light of yesterday's tragedies. Picnics, they have their place in the midst of hardship and fear and despair. We see this in today's text, in today's story. A passage that offers us much in the way of joy and rejoicing. We see deep faith coursing through the story. We see the power of God at work in his chosen apostles and the triumph of good over evil. We see community and fellowship where there was once division and violence. It's so good. 
so good. And yet, and yet, in the same story we see slavery and subjugation in which a young woman who bears her world's demons must service the fancies of more powerful men. We see violent anti-Semitism inflicted by fearfully manipulated mobs administered by public officials who are not so into the idea of public service. We see state-sponsored torture executed by an empire whose grip on power leads its citizens to bear, instead of the plowshare, the sword, even against themselves. Indeed, this passage is no picnic. But it leads to one. It gets to the picnic. How does that happen? How can that be? Now this is the part of the sermon where I feel compelled to review and summarize today's text, making insightful and scholarly observations along the way that support my main idea. In trying to do that, as I wrote the sermon, however, I found myself, honestly, bored and bogged down. So we will try this instead. Acts 16 differently said. Paul, et al., on the way to pray, saw a slave girl who by the spirit of Zeus could the future unfurl and also deduce. A skill that would fill the pouch of her masters whose clients they would bill. These men serve the true God, she squealed often with zeal, her spirit speaking truth no one could repeal. So worked and worn over, Paul, with great fervor, cast out in Christ's name the demon inside her, which seems good at first, but it threatened the purse of the men whose cash came straight from her curse. So seizing Paul at all, and seeking their fall, the men in their blues yelled, these guys are Jews. They ooze with clues that they want their customs here infused. So the crowd thrust them to court where they were stripped down and abused and jailed for a faith that they would not refuse. But like you who sing and pray in these pews, they sang and they prayed despite their issues. And then came a quake that caused walls to shake, a sign from God who does not forsake and gives those in captive a chance to escape. For this is what Christ said would be the good news. Awakened from sleep, the jailer yelled, oh bleep. <laughs> and with his sword to his guts, Pointed ominously toward. He feared being gored, for his prison was floored, and no doubt free were the ones over whom he had chored. But wanting to appease the poor jailer's alarm, Paul, like Hippocrates, yelled, Please do no harm. We're here, do not fear, just lend us your ear. 
So trembling in wonder and maybe in fear, the jailer thus asked them with words that endear, Paul, as all, before you I fall. How can I be saved and like you have it all? Believe on the Lord is what he was told, words that brought joy to him and his household. So he took them inside, and he washed all their bruises and was baptized in waters that choose whom God chooses. And they all shared in food, in service and eating, inmates and guards, now friends and rejoicing. It's so strange a tale that it seems a great trick that a passage so perilous could lead to a picnic. <laughs> Cheeseburgers in paradise. <laughs> You're clapping because it's over. <laughs> but thanks. <laughs> So to move this to its conclusions, let's just look at this passage and see what there is to see about how they and then how, therefore, we move in the direction of having our picnic in spite of all that is in and around us. I want you to notice first how the picnic emerged from a place of prayer and singing. Paul and Silas, they're they're. Bruised and battered, their feet are shackled to the prison floor. They're wide awake when they should be asleep. But in their woundedness, they prayed and they sang, such that all the prisoners around them heard them. When we come here to worship, we carry our wounds. We carry the wounds of the world into this place. We do not check them at the door. They are fastened to our feet and held in our hearts. We don't know how to solve all of the world's ills, but we sit, we stay awake to what is real. And like my grandmother, who was locked out with no way home, we make a choice, a choice to pray and a choice to sing. And we hope that in our praying and in our singing, we will have something to say to a world that may be listening. Our closing hymn today is Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. It was written by John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace. Musically, the hymn uses a tune composed by Hayden. Hayden? Hayden. Thank you a tune that became the melody for Austria's national anthem, but also, unfortunately, a tune that became a propaganda tool for the Nazi regime. And for that reason, we've been cautious about singing that hymn. But then comes to mind, for me, the way Bono of U2 introduces the song Helter Skelter in the album Rattle and Hum. He says, this is a song Charles Manson stole from the Beatles. We're stealing it back. In the same way, we're stealing back Haydn's melody. We're singing Newton's song to say to the evil of anti-Semitism here and anywhere else and religious intolerance of all shades, no, not happening here. 
our singing is the prelude to the joyous feast that God intends for all humanity. That's one way we're going to get ourselves to this picnic. A second thing I want you to notice is the way in which Paul and Silas choose not to let what they should do impede them from doing what they could do. When the walls came tumbling down and the shackles were released, these prisoners, they should have just run. That was their chance. But instead they stayed put. They attended to their jailer. This was a holy and divine interruption of the could into a world of the should. I don't know about you, but I find myself often just running from obligation to obligation, good obligations, important things, duties and responsibilities that impact the lives of others, but after a while you can get lost in them. And then you find a chance to do something that wasn't on the schedule or on the agenda. A small gesture, maybe a note, maybe a phone call, maybe a planting of a flower or singing of a song, something that interrupts all the shoulds with the the chance to do something that's alive and different, and it makes all the difference. It's what you actually remember when you go to bed at night. By having a picnic today, we're injecting a could into the world's should. We can have a picnic now. We might remember the picnic (laughs) I also want you to see how the jailer and the prisoners share in the mutual giving and receiving of food. This, more than earthquakes, tore down the walls that divided them. We find that when we eat and share with others that we do not know, new connections are made. A world changes. So I encourage you today, as you go and enjoy these hamburgers and hot dogs, maybe Maybe don't just sit with the people you already know. Risk that awkward feeling of sitting with someone you don't. Young people, sit with the old. People on the left, sit with the people on the right. From the balcony, come down. From the lower levels, move up. (laughs) We find that that kind of connecting might just reverberate into our world. Note also that at the end of the text, there was rejoicing in the power of belief. Remember Paul's letter to the Philippians, that church that he had founded right here in this scene of Acts. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And he wrote that again from prison. That's us. That's us. And lastly, I want you to see what we don't see. At the story's end, as all these wonderful things have happened to the Paul and the jailers and, and the households, we notice, but wait, wait, wait. What about the slave girl? What happened to her? On one hand, perhaps because she no longer has this gift of fortune telling, her owners just let her go because she no longer held value for her, for them. But I think more likely, unfortunately, is the idea that 
and seeing her now as worthless trash, they treated her more like that. We can wonder whether Paul, in freeing her from her demon, only shackled her to a new version of hell. But we don't know. The story moves on. It leaves her behind. Even the great picnic at the end does not tie up everything in a neat knot. There's still work to be done in this world. So today, when we eat, we won't linger. We'll enjoy, we will rejoice, we'll break down some walls, but then we're going to move on. We're going to keep the story going. Because there are too many in this world who have not shared in this feast. There are too many who are locked out with no way home. There are too many who have not enjoyed the luxury of singing and praying together with those with whom they share the joy of belief. So with them on our minds and they in our hearts, let us pray, let us sing, and then let us have our picnic. Amen.